Well, hey, welcome back to Chasing Sunday, uh, the Chasing Sunday podcast. Uh, we took a little bit of a break, but now you're back for season two. Season dose, as our friends south of the border would say. Um, and <laughs> I don't know. That's that's how you launch a season of a podcast. Uh, that's how you launch. That's right. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna make things a little bit different this year um, or this season. Uh, and, uh, I, I took a little bit of a break toward the end of, of last season to deal with some personal things. Paul, uh, my, my partner at Torn Curtain Arts was gracious to, to pick up some of the hosting duties toward the end. But now we thought, why do this apart mm -hmm. when we can do it together? So we can do it together. Yeah. So the majority of, uh, of our, uh, episodes for this season, uh, will be the two of us. Uh, just ganging up on worship leaders and peppering them questions and, and mm. trying to solve all the problems, uh, of the church and, and worship and helping worship leaders get off that treadmill of running from Sunday to Sunday. So, Paul, thank you so mm. much for, for t picking up the load last, uh, into last season and, and jumping in this season. Um, it's, it, it has already been so much fun and, uh, it's yeah. just going to be more fun. Oh, I can't wait. I've got a real great savior complex. I love to come in and <laughs> fix people's problems and just kind of like, I, I can't wait for people to pour in with the accolades oh, and the, yeah. and the thank you cards and the tearful notes. Well, and that's why we've been friends you for so long. Life. Cause I, I, that? that's why we've been friends for so long. Cause I'm just a, <laughs> I'm, I'm a walking disaster <laughs> and you have just always been there to be like, no, Brian, I, Man. I help you. So, um, <laughs> gosh, we are in the introduction <laughs> and this just got awkward. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, Paul, tell us a little bit about, uh, our first guest of the season and, uh, and we'll, we'll launch into it. Well, yes. And I'm super excited to, you know, to be doing this. I think having these conversations and I can't wait to share it, share these conversations with everybody this season, because, um, we really get into some deep stuff. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of fun and it's just more fun when you just have more than two people in a conversation. Yeah. And so, but uh, I'm super excited. I didn't know Tommy, um, but I got to meet Tommy through just some connections that we had with Envia and the Worship Leader Network uh, luncheon and um, met Tommy that way. And Tommy is a worship pastor from Westminster, Colorado, who is currently leading worship ministry at Kindred Church in Broomfield. That was that's my hometown. That's where I live. And uh, his music and ministry experience spans over 20 years and includes being the worship pastor of Flatirons Church, which is in Lafayette, Colorado, and the place where Brian knew him. Yeah. Um, and uh as well as leading in dozens of other churches around the countries. And um, he will be married. He's getting married uh, this month, this this month in September. Wow. So he recorded uh, with us last month, uh -huh. um, but he'll be marrying his fiance, Lauren. So if you, you know, hit him up on social media or see him at, at church, please tell him congratulations. Um, well, I can't think, I can't think of a better wedding gift for us to give him than to launch this podcast <laughs> yeah uh on the month that he gets married you know it's like on the month it's our gift to you that's because that's really all we could afford yeah <laughs> but but it sounds like he loves golf as well and he loves bourbon Ooh. and avalanche hockey so well go avalanche maybe we'll have we'll have to send him a little congratulations bourbon yeah oh we should do that well but uh so let's kick it off Let's kick off season two yeah. with our conversation with Tommy Stott. Enjoy. We're here with Tommy Stout. Yes, sir. Good. It's it's good. Like I forgot how to pronounce your last name. <laughs> Tommy and I knew each other years ago. Uh, we worked at the same church. You were you were just kind of coming up. You were a you were just a little tyke. Yep. When when uh, when we first met, and uh, you've. Uh, You've gone and made something of yourself. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So my mom go. says anyway. So your mom, well, our, our moms, I think, are legally obligated to say that. To say that. Or at least biologically obligated. Right. So I don't know how you could be biologically obligated to say something like that, but well, I, I, <laughs> I don't know how the biologies work. 
That's science. So the science. Uh, well, tell tell us what what was a little bit of your memory growing up in church. Um, what what was the thing that you kind of remembered about your church, and what made you feel like, hey, this is something I want to be a part of? Yes, yeah, it's, it's an interesting story for me, honestly. So I did grow up in church pretty much my entire childhood. We actually went to one church as a family. I have two older brothers. Grew up in Westminster, um, and. To be totally honest, I think most of my church experience as a kid, I wasn't all that interested. Uh, I, I I think I I was I was torn between hearing this this gospel and this Jesus and thinking I believed it, but then also with two older brothers uh, who were trying to be cool all the time. I also wanted to be cool, and church was not cool. So I was. <laughs> I was not participating in many of the things. We'd go off to youth group and stuff like that when I was a kid, and oftentimes we wouldn't even go. We would just walk over to the gas station nearby and grab one of those like bags of powdered donuts <laughs> and just slam powdered donuts in the parking lot <laughs> and, and just hang out. And so we yeah. totally skipped church and all that stuff. So I did get baptized when I was a kid um, because I really, at the time, I, I believed it, I think, as much as I could. Yeah. But, uh, you know, then I got into high school and stuff like that, and I was just, I wasn't, I wasn't practicing what it was that scripture should say I was doing. Yeah. Um, Cause I didn't want to not be cool. I was trying to be cool too much. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think something that you said that just really takes me back to even my church experience is that white powder donuts, those little donuts. Really? Yeah. 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 And That's I was the one, just like, man. that in the was white bag. in the white bag. And here's what's ha- here. Here's what happened. I have like a 12 year old daughter who came home from a, like a road trip and she had that bag and it was brand new to her. Like she had never, because it's not something we have in our house. We don't see it very often. She was like, "Here, I found these little donuts," yes. and I was like, "You don't even know." <laughs> and I put one in. I put one in my mouth. It was like, "Oh, this is nostalgia." If nostalgia had a taste, that, that scene in Ratatouille where it like yes. zooms in on his eyeball and then zooms out to him as a child, <laughs> yes. like eating vegetables at his mom's table. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, There's yeah. so much of like early memories and food with oh, yeah. with church. Right, like potlucks. Yeah. I don't know if you had a church that had potlucks and stuff. No, like that. I missed that. I missed no. that part. We had we were old enough that yeah. people were still bringing food into church, and before it got like unsafe for people to bring right. food to church. Yeah. But yeah, my brother and I were just talking about that the other day. Of like, uh, I don't remember what we. Oh, we were talking about like the sparkling water that you can buy. You know, in the can. The you know, the. It tastes like dirt. I just don't like it because it doesn't, doesn't taste good. Like the flavor – like if you're going to put flavor in something, put flavor in something. Yeah. Like don't just sort of flavor it. Like, But it reminds me of – they always tried to like stretch the Kool-Aid during the like fellowship time oh, yeah. uh, in, in church. And so they just water down this the, – you <laughs> know, either the lemonade or the Kool-Aid. And so you have this like lightly flavored pink drink along uh-huh. with your little like, you know – generic wafer cookie, you know, uh, that we'd eat before we went to Sunday school after, yeah. you know, after the main service. But yeah, yeah. so anyway. So it. anything with just a hint of flavor. Anything with just a hint of, of flavor, it's a waste of time. Yeah, <laughs> just don't, just don't, you don't come in here with yeah. that nonsense. I want, like, yeah. hit me in the face with flavor. Yeah. That's what I want. So who so. are the people, like, in that early time <laughs> of your, of your uh, growing up in church that made a difference for you? Were there any kind of mentors, guides, mm. however you would like to to define that? People are just kind of like, those people saw something in me, or I wanted to see myself in them. Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, probably the, the main one that comes to mind was actually the pastor of the church that we went to mm-hmm. uh, when I was younger. His name is Jody Mays. Uh, and he was awesome. I, I had this really terrible skiing accident when I was five. I mm. broke my femur and my tibia and all kinds of stuff. I was in this like full length body cast for a few months and he wasn't even, uh, well, so he was the pastor of that church. It was called Foothills Community Church at the time. Um, and, uh, so we weren't even attending there. He just, I think heard, I'm not sure how through the grapevine or friends or whatever. And he came and visited me at the hospital. Mm, Um, and so in the, it was really funny because I mean, I'd only been in the hospital maybe a few days Mm. and he came by and he went to, uh, there were kind of blankets over that cast. He went to sit down on, uh, and kind of sat half on that cast and I was still pretty tender. And so I kind (laughs) of cried and he was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) 
but I mean, that was that, that just spoke to his character. That that sure. man was just a pastor through and through. We yeah. weren't even a part of his church, and he wanted to come and mm-hmm. spend some time with a little kid who broke his leg. Yeah. Uh, so I know that he was really very formative for my parents too. Um, but I think for me, probably in ways that I I couldn't even measure mm. at this point, just because there's been so much that's been imprinted in me over the mm-hmm. years. I think he he had a really big effect on me. Um, honestly, but most of the other stuff I think that's had more of more of a lasting impact for me has been when I transitioned over to Flatirons mm. and started volunteering at Flatirons mm-hmm. uh, when I was 16. sixteen. So there's there's that's a whole other trajectory of well, conversation. Well, here's, here's I'm what's sure, interesting so. is like this is where the the two people at right. this table intersect a little bit because yeah. yep. at that time you were sixteen, you were starting to volunteer, and Brian, you were there as the on the, staff as, on yeah. staff as the worship pastor. Yep. And what did you know of Tommy at the time? Um, yeah, he was, uh, I had heard about you from, you know, our youth guys. They were like, Hey, you got to have this guy audition. He's, you know, he's, yeah, he's super great. And so I remember, I I vaguely remember your audition. Um, and it was one of those like, well, you played like four notes and sang a little bit. It was like, okay, yeah, you're on. Um, (laughs) so you were just this insanely, uh, just talented and, and, but everything you did was like so sincere. And so it, it, it's hard to like as a worship leader and as a worship pastor, sometimes when like when someone really young comes in and they're just like ridiculously amazing at everything that they touch, it's like, okay, I simultaneously love and hate you. You know, <laughs> uh, not that I ever hated you. Um, but yeah, it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, we can, we can absolutely use, use this guy. The thing, the, the, the danger is, is then like, well, we'll just use him for everything. Mm-hmm. Like we'll just throw him up every mm-hmm. opportunity that we have. And so it was one of those things when we'd be in our meetings, you know, for, uh, you know, for pre-service meetings and stuff like that, you know, we're talking about what, you know, what special song we're going to do that week or whatever. And it's like almost every single week it was, well, could Tommy sing that? Could Tommy sing that? We could get Tommy in uh, to sing that. And mm-hmm. it was like, well, Tommy's been on like three weeks in a row now. Like, well, mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's just, let's give him a little bit of time. But, you know, like you said, you're, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. And it's like, yeah, you have this unlimited capacity and unlimited energy. So, Mm. um, no, it was a, it was absolutely a pleasure to, you were, you were a great team member because you were so versatile and, um, you know, played guitar, you sang, you, you could lead, um, you know, it was, you weren't just a, you weren't just getting up and singing, you know, like what you were doing, you had a, you know, you had a heart for, and you felt what you were doing. So it was an easy ad, you know, when we, when we, you know, heard about you and, and when you came up and, and started playing, I think your dad even sang on yeah, the worship we, team for a little while. He, yeah. he did. We both auditioned yep. at the same time and jumped on the team at yeah. the same time. Wow. wow. Uh, now from yeah. your experience, all of this, like, you know, auditioning with your dad, coming on when you're so young and then obviously getting a lot of airtime very, very early. What's your experience of that? What is your, all of your memory of that? Yeah. Well, I mean, first thing I want to say, I'm sure you're always talking about other people on this podcast. And so I'm also <laughs> going to give you some props too, because I mean, it, it was, it was you and Randy was the other worship leader there at the time. Uh, but I was, I mean, and obviously just inspired by both of you, but you're, you're just um, an, an anointed gift, gifted worship leader. Uh, in really amazing ways. And I think, I mean, obviously you were a huge part of the equation for me, even being interested in, in volunteering. And it really did change my life. I mean, n- no kidding. So a uh, lot to be said about mm. that. So mm. very thankful for you. Um, I, I just want to, just for the record, as we go back and edit, he did m- mispronounce, he said anointed. He, he meant annoying. So, uh, so yeah, let's uh, get out of here. Sure I second that. I, that. <laughs> <laughs> hallelujah. Uh, if you could get in the notes, uh, hallelujah and uh, uh, an amen. <laughs> to that. Can I throw up a PTL? A praise the Lord? Praise the Let's Lord. just... Anyway, sorry. <laughs> anyway. So, but yes, you were, so, you were saying... <laughs> yeah, my, so my experience with that, I mean, so, yeah, it's... it's um, I think the first thing I would say is I was terrified. I was mm. absolutely terrified. Mm. Um, I was 16. I was this nerdy dude with this shaggy hairdo <laughs> walking in with, I had one, I had one guitar pedal. I had one. 
It was an overdrive pedal I bought from <laughs> Wildwood Guitars in yep. Louisville yep. because they were like, this is a good one. I was like, okay, take your word for it. Don't even know. <laughs> you know, and, and I didn't even have a 9-volt power supply, right. and you had to, like, unscrew the Phillips head screws on the back to get <laughs> sure, to the 9-volt. So I – because I, I, I didn't know any better. I mean, I was so I'd sit sitting there. Every time that thing ran out of juice, I'd unscrew all four, yeah. throw a new 9-volt in, screw it back on. So, you know, and then a place like Flatirons, even at the time, there were probably three or 4,000 people going. It was, uh-huh. it was a big church, uh, some really, really great musicians. And so just, I was just intimidated all, all the time. Uh, I even just remember, I remember the first week that I had started volunteering, you were up. Hmm. Uh, and we were with a few other people who are, are absolutely just the most, like they're, they're very kind, uh, and, and generous people, but they don't necessarily show you that on the surface. Uh, and it, you know, they're like cops and, and mm. businessmen and stuff like that. And so I, I was sitting back there going like, everyone hates me. I'm totally sucking. This, this is, this is a disaster. <laughs> you know, all the things that you, I mean, musicians, I, it's, it's very easy for musicians to go through those, that head trash in general yeah, anyway. Yeah. And then I'm an ins- insecure 16 year old yeah, kind of yeah. uh, doing this thing. I just, I also knew that I was, I was just having so much fun. Uh, at the same time. So it was, it was sort of that struggle, but it definitely, it took me years, uh, especially coming on staff when I was 19 Mm. um, and trying to figure out how to direct and, you know, pastor these older people on the Mm -hmm. team and stuff like that. That's its own uphill battle, but I, I definitely struggled with the, the part of, of being the young guy in the group and figuring out where your place is and, and where you contribute. And then also, um, you know, not trying to be the one that's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm 19. Here's some words of wisdom for you, 40 year old man. Well, yeah. And this so. is, this is the fascinating thing. And I kind of picked up on what, what you were saying, Brian, is like when you see somebody who is young and really talented, you kind of love them and hate them. But because we understand intuitively as like musicians, like this is not easy. And anybody from the from our perception that makes it look easy, the story in our head is like they don't have to work at this. It's like it's just look at look at how how effortless it makes them them look, and then then that kind of ability gets rewarded quickly in churches, you know. And then we start to conflate it a little bit with uh, a leadership sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're really great. Here and right. you seem to be, or you have a maybe a spiritual maturity to you. And when you're singing songs, do you find that for you, like you were saying, because you were 19 when you actually came on staff and you had a staff job, which for a lot of people carries this level of authority and all this sort of stuff? What was hard for you there leading people? in the church now, not just musically, but now spiritually and, and in other ways. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's, and it's kind of, I think in business, they call it the Peter principle. It's mm-hmm. when you, you sort of are promoted out of competence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's mm-hmm. to your point, that's really easy to do, especially when you would have a talented musician and then you also go, okay, so that's part of your job, but we also want you to lead stuff too. And it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, I just spent the last 10 years in my basement working on this music to get to the point where I'm this good musician, I have right. to touch leadership. Right. So there was a lot of kind of on the job leadership stuff that I, that I had to learn. Uh, one of the best pieces of advice, I think if I were giving advice, especially for young leaders, um, a couple of things I would say that I, I learned that was so, so, so helpful. There's a friend of mine, his name is Paul Bruner and he gave me this piece of wisdom um, where, cause I was trying to figure out how to be able to, I'll back up for a second. It was actually, it was really tough for me, especially because I was a volunteer before and then I was placed into a staff position. And so, you know, there, there was a little bit of, there was time that needed to happen for me to break the mold of here's this young, goofy, nerdy kid who's in high school that we saw him grow up and we, and we've seen him grow up and yeah, now he's in this leadership position. So I think for a lot of people, it was kind of like, we always saw young Tommy. I even Mm -hmm. still three or four years ago, getting comments of like, where'd your hair go? It's like, (laughs) I cut that like eight years ago, man. Like, is that what you remember of me? So anyway, back to, so my, my friend Paul gave me this advice because I was asking him, I was just like, I have no idea how to speak to, 
the guy, there's a specific guy I had in mind who was a guitar player on our team, and he'd been on our team for pretty much as long as I'd been alive, I think, uh, or whenever the church had started. And so like, who am I to sit there and be like, hey, um, when you're playing this part, can you, uh, you know, change this thing? I just, I didn't even know the first thing about approaching that conversation. Right. Um, and and what Paul told me is he's like, well, have you have you asked him what he thinks about you and what you could work on? And I went, no. And he said, maybe, maybe you should try that sometime. You know, tell him how much you appreciate him. You, you really respect him uh, and, and what he means to his service on the team. And, uh, and then, you know, ask, hey, I'm, I'm getting started in this thing. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. What advice would you give me? And so I, I, I did that one day. I was terrified. <laughs> I walked back into our green room at church and I, I gave him a call. And he was actually at work. Uh, it was six thirty at night or something like that, and he was he was working. And you could tell he was just having like a crappy day because no one wants to be working at six thirty, you know. <laughs> so, and I just told him all those things, and he went, "Wow, yeah, all right. Well, I really appreciate that, um, you know. And, and I'll think about uh, I'll think about what you what you asked me, and I'll come up with some answers. And it's really fascinating because I mean, just literally the next time that we were serving together, I I suggested something that he could change when he was playing guitar. And he was like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm on it. And he just did it. And I was like, that taught me such a valuable lesson in relational equity mm-hmm. and how much mm-hmm. that carries, especially if you're if you're young um, and or if you're a music director. Mm-hmm. I think the most unsung and valuable weapon you can have in your tool belt is relational equity with your people. If they know that you care about them and they know that you, or they, they know that they can trust you, um, then, you know, the, the, the doors are open and you can be able to have open conversations with them in humility and mm-hmm. being able to just go, I just want to make this the best that we possibly can because it's important to us. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and I think that's, yeah, the, that word you say, humility, that's, that's really the, that's where it all starts. I mean, yeah. you can't, you can't have, you can't build relational equity with people unless you come to them in humility, you know, and, and, um, you know, I, I've approached that same kind of situation in, in different ways, you know, one being like, no, I'm the leader and like, God, God anointed me to do this. Like you get in line. I don't care if I've never played a note of electric guitar, like your tone sucks and you need to change it, you know, because I remember I'm you leader. telling me that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did, yes, I'm sure. I'm sure I did. No, I'm there kidding. is a time I, I told a guy, this was when I was, I was working up there and um, I, I don't remember who was playing bass. You would, uh, yeah. And, you know, we're, we're playing this, this song. I don't remember what it was. We were in rehearsal on Thursday night and he just we kept getting to this one section. It just didn't sound right. And so I asked, I was like, what are you playing there? And he goes, Oh, well, I didn't like the way it sounded on the recording. So I just decided to try to do this. And I just looked at him in front of everybody on stage. Like, I think the vocalists were there too, like mm-hmm. the whole band. And I just said, yeah, never do that again. Mm. All right, let's pick it up from and I, and I could tell mm. like mm. you could see like he just got crushed just a little yeah. bit. And I like I I I told myself like I don't ever want to be that guy again. I probably have been a few times here and there, but that's right. You you with me, you yeah. say I I hate your tone. Sh- shut up, Paul. And I'm like, I'm not <laughs> no, even hey, holding a guitar. Hey. Whose podcast is this? Um, <laughs> whose children are they? Anyway, um, yeah. So, uh, but it, I have, you know, then you do find over time, like, it's it's a lot easier if you can, one, open yourself up to them and say, like, hey, what do, what do you see in me that I could maybe improve or that I can change? Or how can I serve you better? I, that Yeah, that just opens the door to that mutual that mutual help, you know, you know, once you say like, I'm willing to let you help me. So, you know, maybe even though I might not know a whole lot about, you know, guitar tone or, or, you know, dialing in compression ratios or whatever that is, like, at least, at least when, when we trust each other, you can, you can at least understand, like, I know what I'm hearing and I know what I want to, I know what I want to hear. Mm So when I say this thing to you in terms of an improvement, it's not a criticism. It's a how can – like I need you to help me figure out how we can both make this better, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So Well, and um, I think that what you're saying is 
it's what is natural is for us to have a pretty scarcity centered mindset right. when we're in rehearsal, and especially when it's something that deals with our own performance and being on the stage where we are just want to protect that ego part of us that says, I want to be seen as credible. I want to be oh, seen yeah. as professional. And so I have to come with authority and the right ideas. I've got to be right all the time. It really deflates that when Anne actually gives much more authority to a to a leader who comes in with the mindset of serving, not with a mindset of protecting their own position. Right. Well, you know? yeah, and I think the younger you are, the more important it is to learn that lesson early right. on. Like, yeah. grateful for for you having learned that at you know nineteen years old, instead mm -hmm. of you know being you know forty four and still you know feeling like yeah. I can't step on that person's toes because they might not like me if right. I criticize right. them. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so that's it's great to be able to learn that so young um because yeah, it's even harder than, you know, when cuz we've all we've all been there experienced those people who are like, you know, here here at my church we, you know, we get a lot of uh, you know, folks from seminary come up here and we have a like an internship program for seminary students and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, you can tell like their how they change from their first year in seminary to their third year in seminary, like their first year they're like I know everything about the Bible because I took a class today, you know, and it's <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> and then by their third year, it's like, yeah, I don't know anything about the Bible anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? totally. All of that has changed. Yeah, so I, yeah. you know, just to see how, how that all, so to have that, that early lesson in, you know, relational equity and humility, yeah, yeah. I think is invaluable. And, and I hope that that's, you know, helpful to any, you know, any of the, the younger folks yeah. that are listening to these old farts talk right. about. Well, and, and here's worship. what I'm wondering is too, is like, have you had, I think everybody hits the wall in ministry at some point. Hmm. They get up to a, they get up to a place where it's like the, the solutions I was using, the strategies, the tactics I was using for the first half, not making it happen anymore. Um, have you had an experience where you go like, I got up to a place and I got, and I was just dry or I was like, I didn't know what to do to get out of this mess. Hmm. Um, anything like that come into mind? Because when it comes to, it's hard to lead through that place uh, of ambiguity and uncertainty. Yeah, know? absolutely. Um, especially if you're feeling insecure and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, yeah. Anything like that kind of happened for you? I know that's a pretty vulnerable. We're just jumping into yeah. the deep end. Oh, I, I, yeah, I'll, I, I'll tell you whatever. But um, I think that's probably taken the shape of burnout for me, mm. probably more than anything. Um, so, you know, I, and what I'd say about that is, yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right that especially leading when you're trying to handle that burnout, that's a really tough place to be. Um, and you know, maybe, maybe the theme of this podcast is humility. I don't mm -hmm. know, because, because pride will actually extend and perpetuate your burnout. Mm -hmm. Um, because, and that's something that I learned about that is, you know, working. <laughs> so, you know, when I was at Flatirons, I was the student ministries worship pastor for a while as well. So I was putting together all of our teams and our programs for our Tuesday night high school ministry and then our Wednesday night middle school ministry. And then I was also leading on the weekends because we were short-staffed. So then we'd have Thursday night rehearsal, two Saturday night services, two Sunday morning services. You turn around and do it again. So, I mean, it was, it was a season of 60, 70 hours, weeks at a minimum. There was one I remember working 100 hours in one week just because we were, we were so short-staffed. We were working all this stuff out. And, and a place like that is so fast paced. And, you know, Tuesday morning we'd roll in and we're like, what do you guys want to do this weekend? <laughs> you know, our pastor Jim would walk in and he has some crazy idea and we're going, how are we going to, what, how are we going to do that? You know, so then you're throwing all this stuff together. That was just absolutely crazy. Um, and so there was, there was definitely a time, I think when the adrenaline of that wore off a bit, mm. there was a bit of that adrenaline dump. And I was like, I don't have a life outside of this. And this is, I mean, okay, I, I would love to give my life to this, but this is not healthy. This, and this is not sustainable for me. So it, it, it took, it took a healthy dose of humility to be able to go, I can't do this. I'd love to think that I can, I'd love to think I'm Superman, 
and I can do this for the rest of my life and be Mr. Dependable and Mr. Reliable and Mr. Wow, look at him. You know, he's working his butt off all the time and crushing it all the time or whatever, which wasn't totally true. But it's just one of those things where uh, like I was letting that that pride drive a lot of stuff. And it's a very powerful driver. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, dealing with that burnout, I think, uh, I, I just, I noticed more in myself, especially, uh, it's, it's very important, I think, as leaders to know what your signs of burnout are and the first things to go, this is a terrible analogy, but it's sort of being able to know, you know, like when you've had some drinks, what's the first thing you feel go when you're starting to get buzzed. <laughs> it's a terrible analogy, but for me, it's my no. face. Like I'll start, I'll start losing tingling in my cheeks oh, yeah. and I'm sort of going, Oh, this is okay. I should probably stop if I'm going to be driving, you know, I should have some water. Well, that's interesting. Cause I'm starting to feel that tingle in, I've only had three or four this morning. Oh, yeah. So well, I'm already starting to feel yeah, that tingle. I mean, screwdrivers so are maybe, addicting. Yeah, it's no, so, but, yes. but knowing that, I yeah, think yeah. When, when I'm stressed, when I'm burned out, the first thing to go for me is patience and conversation hmm. with yeah, people. Yeah, I almost immediately start um, thinking about the next thing that I need to do or I kind of lose interest in whatever it is going on with them. Um, and so it's, it's interesting to me, or at Mm. least that's, that's what I've noticed. Mm. Others around me might say something different, Mm. but for me, when I start feeling some of that burnout, I just, I start losing interest in people, Mm. uh, which is not good because that's, if I'm a worship pastor, pastor's at least half my job. Um, and so that's, that's really, really important. So that's, that's kind of the first thing I would say, um, is really important to, to be able to know, um, Going from there and working through burnout too, I think it's it, it and it just goes back to the pride thing um, of of I think I just got to a, a point where I said, "Hey, there's a design for rest in Scripture. Mm-hmm. God worked six days and then He took one off, um, and so you know if it's good enough for God, it's good enough for me. I, I need to take some time off. One of the the best things that I've heard is. Um, as a as a, a guideline, especially for for worship pastors, and this is much easier said than done because a lot of us don't have the resources to do this sort of thing, uh, is one day off a week at least, one weekend off a month at least, and one full week off a quarter. Mm. And if you yeah. can do that, if you can do that, and and that's another one of those. Even if you're not resting right now, if you just know a month and a half, I'm going to spend a week in the mountains here pretty soon. I don't even know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to the mountains. All right, cool. I think I can, I think I can make this more sustainable and and continue kind of trucking forward. Yeah. So just being able to allow yourself permission to take rest. There's also humility in knowing when you're not on a Sunday uh, and you're not leading and you then have to equip other people to be able to lead that spot for you. And then you leave. That's a really great deterrent against pride too, because if you're doing it all the time, uh, you know, you start to, you start to get, uh, those lies in your head. That's like, you are, you are the most needed person here. This place would crumble without mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, you are so valuable. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. I think the message that we would want to hear. Yeah. And when you leave and someone else does it and everyone's like, yeah, it was a great morning. I had a great time. Right. You, you sort of, I, at least I feel for myself sometimes when that happens, I'm kind of like, Oh, yeah, they didn't really feel me being gone. Your that much. ego gets a kick. It's in all the about pride, yeah. And the thing is that that a lot of times that that voice is saying like you you can you know oh never leave again or like you're so valuable. That's not just always in your head. Like yeah. there there are people that's that will say that to you. I mean, I mm-hmm. remember hearing that uh, you know not just at at Flatirons but at other churches where I've worked. You know where I you know I'll take a week off or or I'm gone for a weekend and I come back and. I'll hear like, oh, I mean, it was great, but you can never leave again. <laughs> and and they're they're kind of joking, yeah. but at the same time, like that sticks in your head of like, yeah. one, it's like, yeah, it does feel kind of good because it's like, oh, you love me, you really do love me, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. But but also it it puts this pressure, you know, on you to be like, okay, and and we don't we don't always take that as like, okay, well then. What I need to do is is do a better job of training up the people yeah. that come in to to fill my spot. We take it as, oh shit, I can never leave again. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I just totally. have to keep getting better, yeah. and I have to keep meeting this expectation. Right. And it it takes it does it takes a huge amount of humility, but also sometimes it does take hitting that wall of like 
I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm fried. I'm crispy. I'm out. Yeah. Like, you know, and that's, unfortunately, that's where a lot of worship leaders get, you know, and because nobody takes that time to switch in their head of like, okay, so instead of me having to meet this expectation of being the guy or the girl or whoever that is all the time, I'm going to, I'm going to take that same energy and I'm going to pour it into these people that that are waiting in the wings that, yeah, they, they could be great. I think it also speaks a lot to just the, just in, in the church culture in general of like it always having like every weekend having to be a win, yeah, you know, having yeah. to be a home run. Right. It's right. like, I don't know, did we worship Jesus today? And like, did, were people's lives impacted and did they go out into the world and, 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 and shine the light of Christ? That's the win, isn't it? Not like whether or not what happened on stage kicked ass, right? Yeah, dude. But, but we've gotten into that, you know, the church has gotten into that cycle of like that urgency of like, no, every weekend has to be spot on. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I think you're absolutely onto it. There's something in, in regards to this. Oh, there's so many things I could say. I think mm-hmm. one one in particular is that this is what codependence feels like right. too, is it mm-hmm. feels really good to be needed. So it it hits that that dopamine in our brains that just says, yes, I'm so glad that I'm needed, so glad that I'm wanted, and I'm glad that I can make you happy. Mm-hmm. I'm right. glad that I'm making people happy. Right. And they're saying, you make me happy. But then we get into this relationship where it's like, I can't be happy without making you happy. Mm. I can't do... And and leadership, it really is about stopping that cycle of being the hero for people. Mm-hmm. It says, I'm not going to do this hero thing anymore because leaders really... Most leaders are. I mean, we worship we worship heroes in our culture. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. don't really worship leaders, you know, because leaders are invisible. Leaders elevate other people. Leaders figure out a way to kind of sneak, like you were saying, they kind of like um, Tommy. It's 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 other people taking over and doing just as good or even better than yeah, we are, and better, we yeah. feel great about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, because that means something we did led them in that area and 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 that's um so it's it's a huge thing and and I'll well yeah i mean it's struggle. it's competition and comparison and and all that stuff has just snaked its way into the church as yeah. much as anywhere else you know and no we don't have you know yeah i mean celebrity pastors and you know celebrity worship leaders and all that kind of stuff it it just it just continues to drive that as well. Right. So, I'd, I'd love to hear from you guys too. Like, so I, all of this seems to me to be, it's, it's when we as leaders or worship leaders are kind of placing ourselves in the place of the Holy spirit and what the Holy spirit should be doing mm-hmm. or what God is doing uh, and sort of going like, no, I need to fill that space. So for instance, I've had multiple times where we'd be singing a song or I'm leading a song and you know, sort of, sort of doing one of those just, just glance around to read the room things, mm-hmm. and and I'm just going, this is terrible. Like it's not <laughs> landing. It doesn't fit. Yeah, I'm sure. Like I can hear the mix a little bit through my yeah. ear that's popped out a tiny bit, and it sounds like. But I mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Take your pick of things, you right. know. Where it's just in, in in my sense about, and I've made up my mind on that. Thirty seconds into the song, where I'm yep. just going, "This is not working," and you just tough it out and you get all the way through it. Uh, there have been multiple times where I've had that sort of scenario, and almost <laughs> immediately someone comes up, and it, and it's just like I the, tears in their eyes, oh, yeah. going, "I I don't know what is happening right now, but I feel something." in my spirit. And I feel like this is exactly what I needed yeah. to hear today. And it, you know, and it's, it's literally, yeah. I, I feel like if I were looking at myself, my jaw's probably down, sure. you know, because I'm just going, what are you talking about? Right. Are you serious? Like how, how humbling is that? I thought it was on me. I right. thought it was because the song selection sucked or because I wasn't leading it well. And this person is like the spirit is working in this person through all the things that are happening. There's just been so many times, even where I'm forgetting lyrics to a song or something, and I'll just mess up a line. 
<laughs> and it's just, it's still so impactful for certain people. Yeah. Obviously, we strive for excellence. But anyway, I yeah, say all that I to know, say, I'd like, love to know if you guys have had that. Well, actually, it happened to me just this last Sunday in the oh, sweetest really? way. Because it was like, <laughs> this guy came up to me. It was just sort of like, hey, we love it when you're here. We, You feel like family. You're always amazing. I just can't. It's like, I don't care that you mess up your words. Oh, you know, I was like, we know what you mean. He was like... <laughs> And I was like, I love you, man. I'm going to hug you because it's like, but at the same Uh. time, that's exactly what I intend. In even even in the moments of like um, flubbing words, like which I think I do notoriously, I've got to get better at that. Like, (laughs) but but the thing is, what I also communicate is, hey, listen, there is no standard of perfection in this space, right? You can get the words right. You can get the words wrong. You can sing it super loud. You don't have to sing at all. You know, if I can do that, what I can do is create an environment that invites you to bring your whole self into. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. You know, so that you're like, and I've I've used some moments where there's like train wrecks on stage. That is a very important moment to steward well, because it can be a place where your ego flares up. And you like you look at somebody you give that you know stink eye to the bass player or the drummer who screwed up or the tracks or whatever you're looking for who's the blame and how to deflect blame if it was you or you're like hey you know here's the thing it's hard to do this thing but we're gonna create this moment like invite people to do it you know when right. I'm saying what it was like you see people break on Saturday Night Live it creates a moment of community. Right. It creates a moment of intimacy yeah. that we didn't expect. It's it can be curated. It doesn't have mm. to be that way. But I yeah. think um to your point about what what is that the spirit? Is that me? I was like I've started not trying to figure out the difference because hmm. we are terrible judgments of rea- judges of reality. The human brain does not do well knowing what is fact and fiction. Yeah. You know, um we can be the the only win for me is presence. Mm-hmm. Did I bring my presence to right. to what I was doing? And then that's it. Yeah. Like I had my preparation that I was putting in music and all that kind of stuff, but my presence is what I was there for. Mm-hmm. You know, with, what we Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree. I I don't remember where I heard it. Um and it may be it may actually be from Buddhism. So Sorry. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Do we have to bleep this next sentence? Here we go. Yeah, right. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll pan it to one side. And so what I'm saying about Buddhism will be over here. And then on the other ear, we'll just play some music. Are you saying we're going <laughs> to yeah. pantheist this whole no, thing? Whoa, oh, whoa, God. Whoa. Sorry. Man. Again, anyway, if you don't want to hear what I'm saying strong. about Buddhism, <laughs> uh, pan your audio to the left now and listen to the dulcet tones of Tommy Stout. Um, <laughs> anyway, no, I... It was something about maybe it was at a conference or something like that. But just understanding that that wherever you are in any moment, like what is happening is is supposed to happen. Like mm-hmm. obviously there there are certain situations where there are things that happen to us that are very wrong. You know, like you know when a, a you know priest is you know doing horrible things to children or or whatever that right. is or you yeah. know mm-hmm. issues of abuse or or, mm-hmm. or 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 whatever like those are obviously wrong. So right. it it doesn't universally apply. Right. But what I've what I try to understand when I walk into a moment of worship where I'm leading worship is is just to try to understand like whatever whatever is supposed to happen in this space is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. so it does take a tremendous amount of humility. Mm-hmm. It means relinquishing control. Mm-hmm. Um because I've been in those environments too where, you know, you know, and and you guys have probably experienced this as well. I mean, we we probably even said it, you know, at at Flatirons a few times where it's like all right everybody, this may be somebody who's coming to this church service today. This may be their one shot right. to hear the gospel. Ouch. And so we can't screw this up. Mm. You know? And it's like, wow, what what an incredible amount of pressure to sure. put on the people who are serving. I mean, it, maybe it makes the Holy Spirit feel good because hey, I'm off the hook, you know, like these guys are going to take care of this <laughs> right, right now. Where that savior right. complex like, came from. Yeah, mm. right. So, you know, and I I mean, I still hear people say that today at different churches that I lead and 
and I just sort of like sit back in my chair and I smirk a little bit and, and, uh, and, and just, you know, say to myself, like, none of that is true. (laughs) (laughs) That is not true because there is something happening on another level in, in these spaces that we enter into in worship. And that's the tremendous mystery of it. Like mm-hmm. we, we, we have this desire to like eliminate all mystery and well, cause we want to control, mm-hmm. we want to control how that environment is going to work. We want to control how people are going to react. You know, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned like, I look around the room and I don't see anything happening. I think like, Oh, this is just falling flat. Mm-hmm. It's like, we, we need to change our perception of, of what is happening when we look out in that room because mm-hmm. because there is something happening in people's hearts you know mm-hmm. like now they might not be singing real loud there might not be a bunch of people that have their hands raised i have no idea what's going on in their heart and that is not any of my business either <laughs> right. what what is That's my business spirit. yeah what yeah. is my business is to get up on this stage and to to create that space for people to encounter something mysterious and and you know, and hopefully all I can do is invite them to open themselves up to what I sense is going on in that, in that space. Mm. Um, and so if, as I have, as I have aged, I won't say matured as a worship leader because, because <laughs> <laughs> I think I've only aged. Um, that is something that, that, that was a hard, a hard lesson to learn because mm. I mean, I, when I was leading worship at CCU and all that kind of stuff, like it was all about how could, how could I make people worship? You know, how could I get everybody like frothy, you know, with, with, with worship. And, and I mean, I was breaking strings on my guitar every week. I was, you know, I was blowing out my voice. I just, because I needed to, I needed to have that response from everybody else. Mm. And once I, once I finally realized like, there's nothing I can do that can make somebody worship mm. in the way that I want them to mm-hmm. anyway. Um, again, we come back to the, the just the humility that it takes to to enter into that space because our egos do want mm-hmm. to say like, I, I need to see that you're responding to this so that I know I'm doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. well, what if we walked into those spaces just first of all thinking like, it doesn't matter if I do a good job today. It doesn't matter if I screw up the words. It doesn't matter if I'm feeling, you know, a little bit overweight and bloated today. Mm-hmm. That's every day. But, um, <laughs> you know, like, first and foremost, I step on this stage as a deeply loved and known child of God. Mm-hmm. If nothing else happens today in this space, that remains true. Mm-hmm. How, and, and, like, what if our leadership flowed out of that instead mm-hmm. of, oh, gosh, if I don't sing this song right, mm-hmm. there are people in this room that could walk out of the saved. yeah. They might walk out the door, get hit by a bus, and go to hell. Right, <gasps> right. and that's on me. Like, yeah. no, yeah. no, it's not. Yeah. yeah, no, it's not. You touched on something that I think is so important too. Where it's, uh, I find myself falling into the trap of the worship is as good as the amount of hands in the air. Mm, yeah. So mm. where it's just sort of counting, you know, like, and I'm a numbers guy where I'd sit there and go, Oh, there's, there was like five I saw on that one, but before there was nine, what was different? Mm-hmm, um, yeah. So it, it, I, I can find myself falling into the trap of, I don't feel like these people are worshiping the way that I think they should right? or whatever that is when it, in reality, I mean, we look in scripture and there are, there are so many different ways that, God gives us to be able right. to worship him. And one of them is silence. Ah, what? How about that? In the book of Habakkuk, <laughs> like right. check that one out. So, I mean, it, 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 as a worship pastor, you know, if, if, or, or a leader, if, if you're leading and somebody is giving you the old blank stare, actually, it's, it's funny. We even go back to the same thing where I'm like, that guy hates me. Right. I'm just watching oh, that yeah. happen. We but take no, it personally instantly. Yeah, yeah. Right. But but then I'll I'll have a conversation with whoever that is, and you know that still very dry or whatever. They'd be like, "That was very powerful worship today." Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, "Huh? <laughs> I thought you hated me, but he was worshiping the whole time. That's yeah, just yeah. not how he worships." Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, so I mean, you can look at any single way in Scripture that there is to that that's given us to be yeah. able to worship, including silence. And and I understand. I think it's 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 very important for us as worship leaders to be able to teach people. Hey, here are the ways you can. Maybe you didn't know that you can do this. Maybe you didn't know that it talks about clapping. 
Right. Maybe you didn't know that there are so many mentions of raising your hands and here's what that means. Yeah. Right. Um, we can at least provide all the tools for, for everybody to know that here yeah. are the ways you can. But also at the same time, you don't have to do any of those things. That's that's up to you yeah. and, and, and your connection and your personal connection with with God. Yeah. And I think even one of, one of the only other things I maybe say just on a fundamental level when you're from stage um, leading is – at the end of the day, when you've done all of the preparation, you have curated the service, you've been intentional about all the music, you've made your musical decisions, and then you're actually in the moment and you're worshiping. Don't forget to worship because at the worst case scenario, let's just say this is the worst thing of all time and everybody in the church doesn't connect, they don't worship, everyone that's out there <laughs> just totally not connecting, which is... Right. Like, that's not going to happen. But on a worst-case scenario, nobody does. If you yourself are worshiping you're and you're connecting with your Savior through the music that you're singing, God is still being worshiped. Right. It's still a place of worship. Right. Even if no one else is and you are the one doing it, you're, you're still worshiping God. And so he's still being praised. Yeah. So something to just remember, because I mean, and I'm honestly preaching to myself because I sit there mm-hmm. and I'm the I'm the analyst yeah. that's sitting there going, you know, like, oh, we hit this one chord, bass player missed it, missed the passing chord right there. Yeah. Hey, the lights kind of look weird right now. What's going on? Right. Uh, oh man, my shoelace is untied. I mean, you can. There's tons of things to be right. to think about. Something. Oh, Siri. Something went wrong, Siri. <laughs> was Siri listening to me this <laughs> whole time? Scary. What happened? Is that? <laughs> I love it. I'd like to introduce our Wait. next guest on the podcast. <laughs> this is Siri. Can I, I get into your phone happened. if I say, hey, Siri? I don't know. Are our voices that similar? Now she's not sure she understands. <laughs> that is I don't understand either. Okay. Stop it. I'm sorry. Well, this is a... Oh, go ahead. Siri no, just told me not to I was going to tell a dumb story that we don't need to hear. So well, but, but on that... Because I'm wondering, okay, this is a stupid question, but I think it's also an interesting... It's like, okay, you've, come, you've gone from mega church worship leading... High produced, high production value, lights, fog machine, everything kind of like tracks. Now what you do is you lead worship for a church plant. Mm -hmm. Where is it easier for you to lead worship? Easier, huh? And I don't even know how you want to define easy. Like what is, what is, where do you find you're just kind of like, oh, you know what? I'm able to get in a certain headspace better here or here. Great question. Um, I don't know if I would pick one over the other, and mm-hmm. that's that may be a bit of a cop out. I think it's, um, I mean, Flatirons. We'd have services, especially when there was only one or two campuses where there were like Easter services. We'd have thirty thousand people at that campus. Mm-hmm. So you know, going up to that, and then now where I'm at Kindred Church, mm-hmm. we have sixty people a service, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome. I love it. I really do love both. Yeah. Both both serve very specific purposes. Yeah. Um, and I think both are very necessary. Yeah. Um, so, but and and then I've kind of sang and led at places everywhere in between. Mm-hmm. And so, honestly, there's there's something about this this stage in my life. I think where oh wow, that was a no pun intended stage. <laughs> stage. No matter what the stage is, like all it is, it's it's five steps up. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's about all it is. Um, you know, it's just, you just happen to be standing a little higher so everybody can see you. Mm-hmm. And so they can be able to like connect with you that way and be able to be led in worship that way. Mm-hmm. So I think I, at this point in my life, I would say it's all the same to me. But if you were to ask me a year or two ago, I would have said the smaller stage is easier mm-hmm. only because the bigger stage and, and, and I don't think every big quote unquote stage is this way. But there's there's something about uh, the culture at Flatirons specifically mm-hmm. that was just very high pressure. Mm-hmm. It's a very very high pressure thing. It was very polished, and so if there was something, it was kind of this unspoken uh, thing that was you know if if you messed up the words in a section or something like that, that's not going to be good. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, we're gonna, there's going to be a conversation after that. It's like, hey, did you prepare? Did you whatever? All this stuff, which it's important to do, to give your best. I yeah. understand yeah, that. Yeah, of course. I think there's maybe a level where it can be unhealthy because it can actually cause some people to be crippled and not mm-hmm. be able to. You're you're really not you're not equipping and empowering someone to flourish in their best way. It's sort of like the, the Ferraris in the parking garage 
and you just haven't been able to put it on the highway. Mm-hmm. Like, let's figure out how to get it on the highway. So this is a very long answer. Um, but that's, I, I would say, honestly, the, the smaller ones uh, are easier, mostly because um, they, they feel more personal to me in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I, I really love that. I love that personal kind of intimate connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I know I want to, we want to respect your time. You've given us such a great amount of actually incredible wisdom and yeah. what we've been having in this conversation. Um, but I wanted to give just this last little bit to just kind of like, uh, tell you, thank you so much for coming mm-hmm. and talking to us. And, um, wh- what's one thing, you know, that, um, as a worship leader, you discover it's like, hey, this is the thing the church needs. Mm. You know, this is the thing that you're, that maybe worship leaders need right mm. now. Um, just so that we uh, we have just we we care deeply, you know, on this podcast, but also within Torn Curtain um, about the soul, the creative soul of the of the worship leader. Mm. Um, how how do you think it was like? Okay, this is the one thing I wish more people would recognize and and help with. Oh, that's great. I, I'm first off. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I've had a blast. I mean, I could do this for hours for you guys. This is really fun. So, um, if I were to try and boil it down to one thing, this is something that I've thought about, uh, probably more than, than just about anything the last year specifically is, um, is how it, and this is, it's, it was sort of brought about in starting Kindred because I started it with two other very good friends of mine. And so we're, we're all kind of sitting there going, you know, we were on a train that was already moving and we've sort of helped move it forward. And now we're sitting there, we're going like, how the heck do you build a train? (laughs) What do you know how to make this thing? Mm -hmm, Um, and so it, it helped me to, to really go back and just go like, what does scripture say about church? What is this thing supposed to look like? Hmm. Uh, and that's a very dangerous question. No, yeah. especially in Western culture, you might be disappointed. Yeah. Uh, and even in the ancient but culture, it's yeah. yeah, but it's but it, one of the things that I I actually didn't even know before is that uh, when they did worship in the 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 really really early church, mm-hmm. the worship leaders would be in the back, mm-hmm. and everyone else is facing forward. So. And and that was kind of mind blowing to me because I was like, I've never seen that before ever. We did that for a song at our Easter service this last year at Kindred, or I guess it was just a few months ago now. And it was so powerful, man. I mean, it, you're just, I was standing in the back and I was, and we just put a cross on the screen and people went and took communion while we just kind of stood in the back and sang the song. Um, and I didn't realize how much that would change certain, certain parts of, uh, how I showed up in that Mm -hmm. moment. And so, and I, I won't really delve too much into that necessarily for my, my personal experience, Mm -hmm. but what I would just encourage any worship leaders out there listening to this is to just ask yourself the question, what would change if you were leading from the back? If no one was looking at you and, and if no one was really paying attention to what you were wearing or what kind of motions you were making mm-hmm. or whatever that is. If everyone has, is literally setting their actual sights on Jesus, on, on the truths in the scripture, on, um, you know, the, the, the words, uh, what, what changes for you as a worship leader? And what I, I guess I'm going to talk about me anyway. <laughs> what I found for me <laughs> when we did that is I was, I was like, I found myself just, I actually felt more genuine. And and part of that had to do with that I've just having led worship for 15 years now. I I have my little isms that I do just subconsciously. They're muscle memory. You know, I stomp my left foot. We're getting to the end of the song. I raise my right foot. You know, I, I move the acoustic back and forth and all this stuff. And and I was going like, that's it's practiced uh, it, it, unintentionally. Unintentionally, that's my muscle memory when I'm doing stuff. And that doesn't mean I'm not feeling the music. It doesn't mean that, you know, that's not trying to encourage others to also be, you know, emotive or, or whatever that is. But when I was doing nothing except just worshiping uh, in the back of the room, I didn't care what people were looking at. I didn't care if the lights were working or any of that stuff. I was just connecting with Jesus through that that song. Um, it was it was really, really amazing. So I would I would just ask the question, uh, for anybody, what would it look like if you led worship in the back? And it, what, maybe that's maybe you do that in your church. I don't know, but just for, even for yourself uh, to ask that question and go, what would change? What might be different about how I lead? 
Incredible wisdom. Yeah, that's I love it. I love uh, a great way. Well, thank you again. Thank you guys for having me. This has been a blast. Yeah. Oh man, that was uh, mm. it was good stuff. Good stuff mm-hmm. with Tommy. Um, the guy. I mean, I know I mentioned this as we were recording. He's he's one of those guys that's just like he's so he's just so good, and and he's mm-hmm. it's it's one like you simultaneously love him, but then there's this thing of like why are you so like you're perfect mm-hmm. in every way? And yeah. so, uh, but it's, it, he does nothing but warm my heart. He's just, he's always mm. been so good and so genuine. And I think that, uh, that really shown through, um, in that interview and that conversation. So, um, you know, I, I, you can, obviously it's a podcast. You can go back through and you can rewind and you can re-listen to things, but a couple of things that I, um, that really stuck out to me, uh, is, one of the things he said is just how much pride um, will extend and accentuate your burnout. Um, you know, a big theme throughout the entire podcast was, you know, that this idea of humility. And I think that's especially a hard lesson for younger worship leaders to learn. Um, but it's something that I think was just kind of inherent in Tommy. But for him to have identified that, you know, this idea that pride, you know, extending and accentuating those places where you burn out, I think is, is something to really pay attention to. Um, cause I know that's, mm-hmm. that's been a huge source for me. It's like, nah, I, I can just do this myself. I don't need anybody yeah. else. This is all on me. Yeah. So, and, and I found that it's just like, you know, when we get to the heart of what, what pride really is, it is, is just refusing to be shaped by love in so many ways because pride says, I, I don't need this part to be transformed. I've got it. I've got it completely under control. Yep. Um, and, and it is, it's just a hallmark of youth, unfortunately, to have that ego over in, you know, an overdrive and, and, and taking over. And, um, I, I was really surprised just based on, I don't, I don't even know, you know, we didn't get into his age or anything, obviously, right. but with the amount of, um, kind of self-awareness and, and humility that Tommy had at that point you know, just in our conversation, I was like, wow, he's, he's doing great. Yeah. You know, yep. he, he keeps with that, the kind of leader he's going to continue to become. It's just going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And to, to be able to, yeah, to identify those things so early is, uh, again, just another reason to be super jealous of him. So, uh, um, so anyway, that, uh, that actually brings up uh, a really interesting topic for, uh, uh, that we would love to tell you about, um, cause he's not the only worship leader in the world, uh, dealing with the issues that he, that he talked about, not, mm-hmm. not the least of all being, you know, pride and burnout and all those kinds of things. Um, for the last several months, uh, Paul and I have been working really hard on uh, a new uh, coaching and spiritual formation platform for worship leaders, uh, specifically. Um, that's called the Green Room. Um, green Room being, you know, kind of that space backstage where you can just kind of go and and be yourself. It's a, you know, it's kind of an old theater space, you know, where mm-hmm. where the actors would go and and um, you know, it's where you can kind of take off the makeup and the costumes mm-hmm. and, and just. Uh, and just be. And so we wanted to create some space uh, for worship leaders to be able to do that. A lot of churches have green rooms now, you know, and, and all that. So we thought it was a, a relatable term for folks. Um, but uh, but we're going to be talking a lot about this idea of burnout and how to get off the, you know, that ministry treadmill of just running from Sunday to Sunday, chasing Sunday, if you will. Mm, oh, somebody, I've heard that before. Somebody should make a podcast. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're going to be starting cohorts uh, just as soon as, as humanly possible this month uh, in yeah. September. So uh, greenroomleaders.com, you can find out more about that. Um, and uh, we would love to, love to have you at least sign up for, for the emails to get more information about when those are coming and, and what all will be included uh, in those cohorts. Anything else you want to say about the I mean, you, you covered it so beautifully, but it, but it's true. It's, it's very rare where you can have both a space of safety and preparation. 
um, with people in in ministry that are your peers. Mm-hmm. You know, often you if you're if you're working in a church, you're going to go to maybe some conference, maybe once every other other year, and you're going to see kind of maybe a Christian celebrity, a very famous worship leader, talking about how they pick charts and how they write songs and how they lead teams, how to speak as well as you sing, all that kind of stuff, all very important stuff. But there's not enough spaces where you can come to a group of your peers and go like, I don't know. I don't know what, and nobody covered this yet. Um, and, and what do I do if um, I'm struggling? I'm going through a faith shift. I don't, my theology doesn't fit. Um, now what, what I did maybe when I got this job. So what do I do in moments like this? Can I still lead even if I'm not a hundred percent certain of what I believe right now? I mean, those are the things that often don't get covered. Yeah, right. <laughs> and because there's a lot of anxiety in them. Um, and we, we feel like that, that creates, um, um, an environment for incredible burnout because you can't be honest, you can't be vulnerable and, you you can only grow in community really i believe i believe that's kind of the model that the gospel sets out is that we grow in community we don't grow alone and we help each other prepare for for leadership in spaces like this mm-hmm. so brian and i we've been working we've been researching a lot reading a lot writing a lot um basically com- creating the a composite of the best research we can find out there of maximizing leadership potential but also caring for your soul um, and sort of detoxing also from a lot of the lies that leaders get, a lot of lies that we get about our faith. Um, and we're just going to try and unpack a lot of that stuff um, in these groups together. It's a year-long thing that we want to do. We think that in about a year, you can come up with a really sustainable plan to go back into ministry, to live healthier lives and get off the treadmill. Um, and we try and do it maybe like twice a month, we meet together in our cohorts if you if you think hey that sounds great I really want to do that please yeah like Brian said visit greenroomleaders.com sign up see see what's uh, what's happening and we would love to connect with you mm-hmm. yeah um, and of course the, the the stuff that we do through uh, Torn Curtain Arts uh, things like Chasing Sunday uh, uh, the Future Christian Podcast which is another podcast that we help out with um, Paul's working on a book. Uh, the things like the green room, none of these things happen, uh, by accident, but they also don't happen without uh, a lot of help from, uh, from the people who listen and the people who participate. Um, if you would like to be one of those people, uh, we have a new Patreon page. Well, it's an old Patreon page Woo-hoo. that we have relaunched. Um, so, uh, we've got lots of, uh, lots of great things available on there for our patrons, uh, exclusive content that you're not going to hear just on the podcast that we send out to everybody. You get to be a somebody when you become, uh, <laughs> when you become a patron, uh, on our Patreon page, uh, we're, 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 we're going to be giving out swag. We're going to swag. And, and there's and, like, you can, you can see early drafts of work that we're doing. You can be a part of the creative process with us. You can kind of see what's happening. And, and if you see this, like, Oh man, that's a dangerous thing. You can let us know. You can be collaborators yeah. with us. Yep. You know, we, that's why we, we created this. We know that this work is not ours. Mm-hmm. It, it belongs to a bigger group. So, and we want you to be a part of that journey with us. So if, if you want to do that, visit us. Uh, you can just go to the Patreon and look up Torn Curtain Arts and you'll find us. Yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll probably have a link to that on our website as well uh, mm-hmm. soon. So, uh, so be sure to check out torncurtainarts.org for all of that information as well. As always, thank you so much for listening. Um, we'll be back with a new guest uh, in what a week. Um, and uh, yeah, so keep listening, uh, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review. Uh, and uh, thanks for listening to Chasing Sunday. Thanks. Chasing Sunday is a production of Torn Curtain Arts and distributed by Resonate Media. Your hosts are Brian Davis and Paul Romig Levitt with editing and mixing by Danny Burton. Torn Curtain Arts is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and your tax-deductible gifts make our work possible. For more information about TCA, and to partner with us in our ongoing work, visit torncurtainarts.org.